0: Welcome back to another episode of The Jacob Johnston Show. So I was listening to leftists online, you know, on YouTube and on some podcasts and just trying to gauge what it is they think, trying to understand their mindset on certain issues. And I realized that they don't comprehend what they themselves are saying. And so this became clear when I was listening to one in particular. And when trying to describe their political views, They call themselves a libertarian socialist. Libertarian socialist. These are not two words that go together as they are polar opposites, just like Joe Biden intelligence. These are two words that do not go together. So in trying to describe their political views, they say libertarian, which libertarian means the smallest possible government. So small, you barely notice them in any aspect of your life a government that pretty much just does the bare minimum. And socialist, which by definition means one of the largest possible governments possible with control over every aspect of your life. So he's like, I want the smallest possible government with complete control over every aspect of my life. That's my views. These are two things that do not go together, which when you realize this and you take a look at the left, you realize that nothing that they say or claim to believe makes any actual sense. There's no logic behind it. They just spew out words and then hope that you don't notice. Okay, so enough about that. Now, if you've been keeping up here, and yes, we'll get to the Kyle Rittenhouse stuff here in just a moment. But if you've been keeping up, CNN did a hit piece. But this time, it was against the Democrats, which is kind of one of those things where we on the right we're used to these disingenuous hit pieces, uh, especially from CNN, which has been running fake news and fake uh, rumor and spreading rumors all over the place. But the fact that they did it to the Democrats is interesting. Now they did it against Joe Biden and talking about the you know growing distance between Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Now, I realize it's different to see the left go after the left like this. But when you take a look at it, Joe Biden is an old white male. Kamala Harris is, you know, a person of color, a woman of color. So they want to get Joe Biden out of the way so that they can have the first woman of color president. And so they're now starting to turn on Joe because they're going to try and pressure him to get out of the way to make room for Kamala Harris because the hit piece while talking about the distance and, you know, the frustration, the dysfunction and the inner turmoil, was trying to write the piece very favorable to Kamala Harris and trying to explain her low approval numbers. So, of course, they're going to go after Joe Biden because he's at the very bottom of their hierarchy and trying to pave the way for Kamala Harris. Now Now, after this hit piece came out by CNN, Other left-wing media outlets tried to downplay this. And here's them trying to downplay it and what it sounds like.
1: So first off, let's put this in perspective. How unusual are reports of problems between the president's and vice president's offices? Not unusual at all. It's as uh, normal as
0: a West Wing storyline. Nothing unusual about it whatsoever. Now, during the times of Donald Trump and Mike Pence if there was any sign of disagreement where they weren't on the same page, oh, this is complete chaos. This is complete dysfunction. This is abnormal. But then when they go off and talk about the disagreements and the kind of resentments between a Democrat president and vice president, oh, it's normal. You know, there's nothing unusual about this in any way, shape or form. So you kind of see how they play both sides, whether it's normal or abnormal depends on who's in the White House. So we see them trying to downplay it on other news networks. But there is one problem with them trying to downplay it is that the growing distance, the resentment, the, I guess, dissing of each other was really quite evident recently. And so if you're going off and you see CNN come out with a hit piece about the dysfunction and everything and you got your other media allies out there trying to downplay it, you probably don't want a big screw up like this. And I got to tell you, when I watched this after seeing the media trying to downplay the you know the resentment growing in the White House, I had to just laugh. So, here it is. So, remember, CNN is talking about the growing, you know, conflict within the White House between the president and the vice president. Other media outlets are t- trying to downplay it, say there's nothing unusual, and then this happens.
1: Hey. Please welcome Heather Curtenbach. In a moment. <laughs> have
0: a seat <laughs> oh so so you, you get where i'm going with this so cnn there's a lot of inner turmoil and the vice president feels alienated and being insulted by the president there's growing tension other media outlets no there's not they do an event together kamala harris clearly taking the podium and someone else is introduced, like, yeah, yeah, we see the vice president out there, could you please kind of move out of the way so we can get to the person we really want to hear from? (laughs) Uh, The left. You know, funny, funny stuff. All right, so there's another issue that is going on here. So the left wants to be able to go out there and start claiming that, hey, we're the party of solutions. We know how to fix the problems. The problem with that is, is that the, they know what they do know what the solution is. It's Trump policies. So they're trying to figure out a way to go through and promote Trump policies without acknowledging that they're following Trump's policies on certain stuff are, you know, not within the White House, not within the Democrat, um, you know, elected members, but, you know, analysts you know, Democrat analysts and all of that. They want to go off and say, hey, we kind of need to, you know, if we want to win elections, we need to have solutions. What really worked was Trump policies. Now, can we find a way to pass off Trump policies as our own? Now, of course, those in the White House, Joe Biden, and those in the House and the Senate, Democrats, they're never going to go along with this because they're never wanting to set up a situation where they acknowledge that Trump policies actually worked. But when you go off and you take a look at, here's what the solutions are, and when they actually talk about a real solution, they're talking about things that President Trump did while he was in office. So go ahead and take a look, listen, you know, listen to what the guy is saying about China, how it is we need to deal with China, and then see if it sounds familiar to you.
1: What do you see as, you know, what this meeting really was in the end? Well, this meeting was to establish the guardrails, as they said, but we have tried this approach. We've had intensive diplomacy with China for three decades, and Chinese behavior has only gotten worse. So I think that we need to go beyond guardrails and start imposing costs on behavior, which is not only acceptable, but in some cases is malicious. So there there needs to be a rethinking of the assumptions that have driven U.S.-China
0: relations. So in other words, Trump policies. So he's going off and admitting that Joe Biden is trying to reenact the failed policies of Obama. And then he's saying, well, we need to go beyond guardrails and make sure that there are severe punishments if China does something bad, which is what Trump did and was able to kind of tamp down on China's abuses and, you know, military aspirations. And so they're basically saying, yeah, yeah, Joe Biden is trying to do the failed policies of Obama, we need to go beyond that and show that there are real consequences, which is what Trump did. But he's trying to leave Trump out of the equation here, because if they go off and admit that Trump policies worked, well, they'll be attacked, they'll be canceled. And plus, going off and admitting to the American people that Trump's policies actually did a better job, because they weren't complete failures like Democrat policies, it wouldn't look good for the midterms, which are already looking to be completely disastrous for the Democrat Party. All right, so now let's go ahead and get into the written house stuff here, because as you know, at least at the time of this recording, the jury is still in deliberation. Now, people are getting nervous about, hey, what's taking so long? And they're like, well, you know, the evidence shows that written house is innocent, but you got the mob threatening them and chanting and yelling so loud that you can hear them inside the courthouse. And so now they're kind of scared because if they go along with the evidence and say he's not guilty, well, what does that mean? How many, uh, what kind of riots, how many more neighborhoods are going to be burnt down? As a result, it's mob justice, just like we saw in Derek Chauvin where when the mob shows up and threatens the jury and threatens the city, either you find them guilty regardless of the evidence or we're going to burn down your communities and we're coming after you, the jury. And so we take a look at this. We also see here that maybe they just want to you know, analyze every last bit to ensure that they come to the correct decision. And so they got the jury instructions for the first six pages they went through that. And then later on in the day, they wanted the copies of the rest of the instructions from the judge so that they can go through. So they're kind of going through debating one by one, all of the charges and maybe taking a vote after each debate to determine which charges, you know, are not guilty, which charges guilty, which I'm sure they're what they are trying to do is going, OK, OK, we got a mob threatening our community, and probably threatening us if we do not find them guilty. But taking a look at this, if we find them not guilty, which is going to result in them burning down our community, we need to make sure that we are absolutely 100% right and can justify our decision. Because there is no way with the evidence presented to them that they can legitimately come to a guilty verdict. So if they do end up trying to find guilty, or maybe they're trying to look through there and find the m- most minor thing that they can think of to find him guilty, hoping to appease the mob. Or maybe, you know, you got some mothers in there going, you know, if this was my child, I wouldn't want a jury sacrificing my child to satisfy a mob. You know, so maybe you got some of that stuff uh, that is going on. But, when you see what's going on outside the courthouse, you understand that the mob, they don't care about what the evidence showed. They don't care about witness testimony. They say no justice, no peace, but they don't believe in justice in any way, shape or form. It becomes quite evident that what they are trying to push for here is a situation where they can attack you. And by the way, when it comes to the prosecutor saying he could have fought back fist to fist. Yeah, there's plenty of videos of people who tried that and got decimated by the mob because it was a 10 on one attack. So, in any event, you know, you see them chanting, you know, no justice, no peace, but they don't believe in justice. What they're trying to get to a situation where they can come into your community, attack anybody that they want, who Looks like, you know, they wouldn't agree with their political views. Burn down the community, and anybody who tries to defend themselves or their community from acts of domestic terrorism, well, that's not allowed. You're not allowed to defend yourself. When we attack, you have to accept the beating. That's the message that we get here. So let's go ahead and take a look at a couple of people because there is a scale here between the complete off the rails, you know, nut jobs who have no concern for actual justice that just want to set up mob rule and other people who are not quite as bad, but it shows that they have no understanding of self-defense, no understanding of the legal system. And they're trying to, you know, rationalize the evidence versus what they want. You know, so when we talk about the school system and ideological subversion, it's it's in degrees. The effectiveness of the brainwashing is at various degrees. It's not 100% complete on everyone. So let's go ahead and take a look at uh, this video from the Daily Wire about what's going on outside of the courthouse in the Kyle Rittenhouse case. Okay, so you have two different views there. You have the one guy, a complete nut job wearing America was never great shirt. He's not paying attention to any of the evidence or facts. He goes off and he spews, you know, about Jacob Blake. And of course, he doesn't provide any actual facts. It shows that he's completely ignorant about any of the details of that situation. But he's going off here and basically wanting to set up mob rule and just basically trying to claim that if Kyle Rittenhouse gets found not guilty it's a green light to white supremacy which just goes to show he knows nothing the brainwashing of that guy is so complete he just only knows how to regurgitate what he's told to think regurgitate what his masters tell him he needs to believe I mean, it's really quite amazing. No details, but he's going to go off and spew a bunch of opinions in which he knows nothing about the situation in which he's given an opinion about. And of course, to him, it doesn't matter if Rittenhouse is guilty or not guilty. You know, whether it was self-defense, it doesn't matter. If the left attacks you, your only option is to take the beating because he wants to be on the side that can just pound anybody for expressing any views that they disagree with and of course you know it's white supremacy it's always white supremacy and it's like okay you got a you know if you take a look at the case here you got a white guy on trial for shooting three white people how they make this about race i don't know but they're going off, well, it's because it was a Black Lives Matter protest, which there was a lot of white people there. And they were protesting, uh, Jacob Blake. So they all go through and say, well, he shot people who were, you know, protesting. That wasn't a protest. It was a full on riot. It was acts of domestic terrorism. There is no way, shape or form in which you can claim that people going out, smashing windows, looting stores, and setting everything on fire is anything short of a riot. How they go off and they try to claim it's a protest, I don't know. So that guy is a, a complete nut job. Now, the other guy, the black guy, you know, I, I don't know what his name is, but he's going off. He's admitting he doesn't really know about the Jacob Blake situation. So that that's a good start, you know, admitting what he doesn't know. But then he goes off and he starts talking about, you know, the trial. And, you know, he seems like he's kind of on the fence as far as guilty, not guilty. But he, there was one thing that he said here that kind of gets off. So the weapon that you have is is what I get out of his argument. The weapon that you have is depend, is what determines whether it was self-defense or not. Not the actions, you know, not whether you were being attacked, you know, and had to defend yourself. No. And he makes that clear when he goes, well, if it was a handgun, yeah, it would be self-defense, but because it was a AR-15, you know, and it looked, and the gun looked menacing, you know, that's not self-defense. And I guess part of the argument uh, by extension is that if, you know, if people see your gun, you know, and that you have to defend yourself and they don't like the way it looks, well, then you are provocative, right? You are provoking them to violence. Which, even though what you're doing is exercising your second amendment rights, which is to keep and bear arms, but now they're trying to go off and make a distinction where, okay, if all else was the same, and the only difference in the situation was he had a handgun instead of an AR-15, that's self-defense. But because it was an AR-15 instead of a handgun, well, then that's obviously not self-defense. So, you know, you, you see there's a very sliding scale of how much the indoctrination and uh, the brainwashing has been completed on people. Some of them still have the capacity for rational thought, but they're still going off and making things that are and stating things that make absolutely no sense. Handgun versus rifle. That's not what determines self-defense. It's were you being attacked? And did you have fear that the attacker could cause severe bodily injury or death to you? that's the standard, not what type of gun did you have? Okay, this gun means self-defense. This gun means not self-defense. That's not how this works. But you can see here, everyone trying to give an uneducated opinion, not going off and researching things. You know, I mean, he was more intelligent and seemed like he was more capable of thought than the other guy who was white. But you know, his thought process is incomplete. He's missing some information, you know, and I have a feeling that he get, that he may get most of his information from left-wing propagandists, but at least he still has the capability of rational thought. But I, I want to end this on a high note, but he does go off at the very end and go, yeah, regardless of how this turns out, no rioting, you know, he's acknowledging that, you know, writing, and I have no idea if he participated in any way, shape or form in the last riot. I, I have no information on that. So I'm going to assume that he that he didn't. But he's probably going off and looking at all the riots that had happened, not just in Kenosha, but around the country and saying, hey, this isn't doing anything. This isn't getting us heard. This isn't getting us towards any objective. In fact, all we're doing is destroying our own communities and hurting ourselves, you know, and so he's going off and, you know, and I praise him for this talking about how rioting violence is not the answer. That's not going to get to the solution and that they need to engage in different activities that are likely, you know, to get them heard, you know, in a positive way that can bring people to the table and discuss the issues Now, does that mean, you know, we're going to agree on everything? No. But according to the left, the reason why they engage in violence is because they just want you to submit to everything that they want. It's their way or the highway. And if you pick the highway, they're going to burn the damn thing down. So, I mean, that's kind of the pressure that everyone's, facing inside of that jury room, hearing all the noise and the commotions, especially people on the megaphone shouting in, you know, uh, basically, convict them or we're going to burn down your community again. But I wanted to provide from that video, someone who is just completely off the rail lunatic has no information, but is ready and willing to engage in violence, because he's told that's the that's what to do because he's told that's what to think. And that anything short of that, you know, anything short of guilty is a green light to white supremacy terrorists. Really? Was it white supremacist terrorists that was burning down the entire community last year? No. All right. So one last thing here. So there was a hearing up on Capitol Hill. Yes, there's always, you know, hearings on this subject and that subject. And this one deals with the Biden administration and illegal immigration and the proposed payment to those who were separated at the border. And the guy who is responding is a complete sleazeball. You know, he's going off and trying to dodge uh, some questions a little bit, trying to go, oh, I don't have the information really on that, but then tries to go off and insult the previous administration's policies. And he kind of starts getting called out on it. And he's trying to engage in double speak to basically say, well, when Donald Trump did it, it was horrible. But when we do it, it's okay. So here's what that sounded
1: like. Because I know that the uh, the cases that are before uh, the Department of Justice, uh, to which you are referring, our Federal Tort Claims Act, where uh, not um, all of those unlawfully present are filing suit against the government, uh, but those parents um, whose children uh, were taken from them as a means of deterring irregular migration, uh, part of the zero-tolerance policy of the prior administration, the family separation uh, policy uh, that received bipartisan condemnation, and quite frankly, the condemnation of the American public. What is an appropriate uh, outcome of that litigation in response to the federal's, the family separation policy? The cruel policy is something I cannot opine on. Well, I'm so just since not- you call the policy cruel, let me ask you this. Um, during the Biden administration, has the Department of Homeland Security ever separated a single illegal alien from someone they claim as their child? Yes, but not as part of the zero tolerance policy, not as part of Uh, the family separation policy uh, that was so cruel. You were the deputy secretary during the Obama administration. Did the Department of Homeland Security ever separate a single illegal alien from someone they claimed that was their child in the Obama administration? Neither in the Biden administration nor in the Obama administration did we execute the zero tolerance policy that the Trump administration promulgated and cruelly enforced. I'd say the policies you've you've been implementing are complete tolerance for illegal migrants crossing our border.
0: What a complete sleazeball. So let me clear the record here for, and anybody who's done any research understands this. The whole family separation, that was not a policy that Trump implemented. That was implemented by the courts back in the late 90s, right, where the court said, well, you know, you can't detain minors. And the same facilities that you uh, that you detain adults who have been captured breaking our laws, crossing the borders illegally. So it was the courts that implemented the whole: if you are detaining the parents, you must you can't hold the children in the same facilities. And so this policy, or this child separation of you know separating uh, children from the illegal uh, from the parents who illegally crossed over into the country. You know, that was something that was happening in the Clinton administration, the Bush administration, the Obama administration. But when it happened in Trump's administration, they're like, oh, this is cruel. This is family separation. He implemented that. He didn't implement it. The only thing that changed between, you know, Clinton, Bush, Obama, and Trump is that Trump's zero tolerance policy was that we have zero tolerance for people crossing the border illegally meaning that whether they had a child or didn't have a child, they would, if they just crossed the border illegally, they're going to be detained. And just the act of detainment by order of the court meant that the kids had to go to a separate facility than where their parents were held. So it wasn't a cruel policy by the Trump administration. Trump's administration's policy was we're going to enforce the law and we're going to follow the courts and the court orders that was it that that was and somehow that is cruel but when Obama did it oh no 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 that wasn't cruel because it wasn't part of a zero tolerance policy well did you have to separate kids from their parents on anybody you detained yeah 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 yeah. we did that which is exactly what Trump did but it wasn't cruel when we did it because we weren't enacting zero tolerance for people crossing the border illegally. So basically, what you're saying here is it wasn't as cruel when you did it, because you were not fully enforcing the laws that were on the books, because you didn't want to follow the court order. So the difference between cruel and uncruel is Trump enforced the laws on everybody equally. And the Obama administration and now the Biden administration is picking and choosing who to enforce the law on. And that's the difference between cruel and uncruel, according to them. So basically saying, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, we did it. And but we think, you know, it was okay. Trump does the exact same thing. And it's cruel. Now that Trump's out of office, we're still doing doing that but it's okay because we're Democrats. That is the entire narrative. And he's trying to go off and say this and hope nobody notices that what he's saying is, yeah, Trump, Trump's policy was only that the laws were going to be enforced on everybody, not selectively. I mean, hopefully you understand that. Hopefully you get that. Hopefully you understand that the difference between, according to them, cruel and, uh, and humane is the difference between enforcing the law equally and enforcing the law selectively, where they are saying they're humane because it's selectively enforced. Trump's zero tolerance was only the law enforced on everyone the same. Zero tolerance for anybody crossing the border. Now, I do like there at the end is like, yeah, your policy seems to be tolerance Uh, for everybody. You know, let everyone break the law. Let anybody cross over from around the world with no vetting, no checks. It's open borders to the entire planet, which is not sustainable for us. You know, everyone comes in and then, you know, from around the world, and we're supposed to just give them everything that they want, you know, government benefits, government payments, everything. Anyways. That's it uh, for this particular episode. I know, I know it was a slow news day the other day, but these were some of the highlights of the things that were going on. Now, we're waiting for the verdict in the uh, Kyle Rittenhouse case. Um, Likely, you know, depending on when the verdict comes out, uh, if there is one today, you know, I might uh, be able to make another video or You know, depending on how late it is, it might wait until tomorrow. I'm sure you're going to be there watching the moment the verdict is announced. And so we'll go through and we'll analyze the verdict and what it means. All right. So in the meantime, don't forget to hit that thumbs up button and leave me some comments. If you're listening to the audio version of the show, uh, leave me a rating and review. And of course, share this around anywhere free speech is allowed. Thank you so much for watching. And I will be back again soon.